Welcome to Heart of a Shepherd, a podcast from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Wisconsin. Now, here's Trinity's Rick Adams, Angela Axtman, and Pastor Carl Leyenbauer. Welcome back again, everybody. Rick Adams here in the direct the Director of Discipleship at Trinity Lutheran Church Freistadt in the podcast room with our own senior pastor, Carl Landbauer. Hi, Rick. And Angela Axman. Hello, Rick. It's good to be back here with you. Thank you for joining us again, everybody. It's great to, to get those little comments uh, from folks um, about how you're enjoying this, and we want you to know that it is a genuine pleasure for us to be doing this. We benefit from it as much as anybody. And so we're, we're glad you're here. And today we're going to continue where we left off in our last podcast. We're in the middle of Luke chapter 10. And today we're going to be encountering a parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. So, Pastor? Yeah, we'll start off with that. And then we get into um, something that tells, uh, well, we'll get to another story that I think we need to hold intention with this Good Samaritan as well. So we'll start reading with 25 and behold, a lawyer stood up and to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. We have spoken in the past about how Luke, in contrast to the other gospel writers, does not always follow things in chronological order, but is more theme-based. And I think it's interesting how Verse 25, in the NIV, it starts with these words, on one occasion, an mm. expert in the law. And so it may have taken place immediately after the 72 have come home and Jesus has that conversation with them. 
but it does fit nicely in 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 terms of the theme here of what's going on because immediately you know in the last podcast we were talking about how you know was it a compliment or not that jesus is talking about these Mm -hmm. these little children and how the things have been hidden from the wise and learned Mm -hmm. and immediately we're confronted with a wise and learned person Mm -hmm. in this expert in the law Mm -hmm. for whom the kingdom of god is being hidden from Mm -hmm. him and i always want to believe that god does not hide the kingdom against anybody's will Mm. People have to be more than willing to allow themselves to be blind to the things that Jesus would have them understand and believe. But clearly, this is an example of somebody who is just not seeing what Jesus wants him to see. It's, yeah. it's hidden. And the evidence of that is that he's testing Jesus. Yeah. He's, he's putting Jesus to the test. That's never a good thing. Yeah. And so uh, Jesus, <laughs> as always, it doesn't go well to test right. Jesus. No. And so, so he asks the question, and then Jesus like, turns it back. And is like, oh, turns out you do know the answer. Right. <laughs> and right. So, so then he keeps trying to find a way to justify himself, and that's where we get the question, who's my neighbor, and Jesus' response to that. Right. And so, yeah, in the NIV, and I think it says it's something similar in the ESV, he tried to justify himself, mm-hmm. which I think means I, I want to be able to get away with my own prejudices about who is and who isn't my neighbor. And so I'm going to try to come up with a nice, neat little uh, rational p- picture for who my neighbor is and who my neighbor isn't. So the people I don't like or who are not like me, I I don't have to treat them the way my conscience tells me I should. Yeah, although, I mean, I don't know. Maybe your conscience is better off than mine, but... My conscience is often fine with people mm. who are, you know, mm. as distant as the Samaritan would have yeah, been. I suppose. From, you yeah. know what I mean? Right. We you know can what I mean? convince ourselves of just about anything. Jesus is pushing, he's pushing way past the boundaries of what kind of normal human society would expect as far as what the Samaritan does for the man. It's it not, not only is it crossing a boundary you wouldn't expect to be crossed, but then how much he does for him is just shocking. Right. I mean, there were certain protocols in place, I think, again, in first century culture, the first century culture of things that would have been the expected thing to do. But in Jesus's parable, he's going so far beyond what would have been expected of anybody in in demonstrating this. And I, I don't think anybody here can miss the point about who the characters in this parable are. I mean, the fact that it's a priest and a Levite who are the first two passers-by that see this wounded man. Why why a priest and why a Levite? Why not a farmer? Why not a fisherman? Why not a merchant? I mean, these were also people, prominent figures and occupations in, in the Jewish culture in that time. Jesus specifically makes the, these two uh, a priest and a Levite because he's, he's trying to make a bigger point. Mm-hmm. And that, that point has to do with the religious mm-hmm. and also the, the religion yeah. that of, of the world. Which So the religious, when I be clear about what I'm saying, the religious who can justify in their own minds really ignoring God's command to love your neighbor. Right. And they can do it religiously. Uh, for the priest, you know, I have to remain clean. I can't go get blood on my hands because then I'm unclean and I've got service to do to the Lord. And... Busy things I must do, and so I'm going to not love my neighbor, and I'm going to keep going. 
and uh, in the same way, um, religion itself is kind of indicted here because the religions of the world with their efforts to try to please God by my own efforts ultimately don't produce love. They produce work, yes, but not love. Yeah, I think for a lot of our listeners, when you hear the word religion, you might think, oh, that's a good word because that's to be religious means to love God and believe in God. And mm -hmm. if that's what religious means to you, then yes, that is a good word. But the ugly side of the word religion is that it's the work is on our on us to reach up to God and to try to achieve our own righteousness. I remember mm -hmm. when I was in high school at Milwaukee Lutheran, I had a textbook for religion that said the title of the book was How to Be a Christian Without Being Religious. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's an edgy title. Yeah. 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 And it was really a, a take on the entire book of Romans. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and so again, just to be as clear as we can be here, Obviously, you should be religious in the sense that you should believe in Jesus. Yes. And you should do what Jesus says, yes. including things like going to church and praying and reading God's word and all those things. Right. But what you shouldn't do is substitute your efforts for, for Jesus. And, and, and call that Christianity. <laughs> and call that Christianity. Yeah. And that's what religion, that's what religion does. Yeah. It doesn't offer a savior. It offers a set of rules and requirements for you to try to climb your way to heaven, which will always fail. I... I'm wondering if this is the same scenario as mentioned in Matthew. And interesting that, because in Matthew 22, these same words are said. Mm -hmm. But in that case, Jesus says them. And in this mm -hmm. case, the lawyer says them. Mm -hmm. And in Matthew, I'm, I'm referring to you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Um, and then love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is the one that says that in Matthew 22. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, preceding that it says that uh, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees they gathered together so I'm wondering if though the Pharisees and the Sadducees in this Matthew scenario are similar to the Luke scenario and the reason also maybe why he uses the the Levite and the priest in the parable yeah if they're all connected or yeah I mean he sometimes Jesus has similar conversations multiple times that's certainly going to be true of an itinerant pre preacher going from place to place and i don't know if we can pin down for sure but yeah there's a lot of parallels and certainly in both cases the intended audience is pretty much the same it's it's the religious the people who think they've got it together as shocked and as outraged as the people would have heard jesus use the bad guys being priests and levites they would have been equally as shocked to learn that the good guy is a Samaritan, right? Who, you know, was listening to a, a sermon on this on the internet, and the the person delivering the sermon said, it, "The fact that this Samaritan comes along this wounded man who has been who had been beaten to within an inch of his life, and the fact that he was still alive, should have immediately co communicated to him that the whoever did this to him isn't far away." Mm -hmm. And so he's, in, in Jesus' telling of this story, he's saying this guy did more than just spend his own money or take time out of his day. He was risking his own life mm -hmm. to show mercy and show good kindness to this man. And it, it had to have just been so outrageous to the hearers that, that he would 
put that on a Samaritan to do that. Mm -hmm. And yet this is what Jesus is saying. That's how outrageous or extravagant or prodigal, I guess you want to say, is the love that he has for us and the love that he expects us to have for one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot about the Samaritan that is, is shocking and striking. And um, I, I know we talked a little bit about Samaritans earlier in this podcast, but just as a quick refresher, uh, these are people who had some elements of Jewish law. They had the, they subscribed to the first five books of the Bible, but not any of the rest, not the, the prophets. They didn't worship in the right place, and they didn't worship in the right ways, according to the rest of the scriptures and the Jews. And so the Jews viewed them as kind of like almost uh, worse than Gentiles, because they they should have gotten it. They should be fully Jews, and they're not. And so there's a kind of even deeper rejection and animosity between them that shows itself up in a lot of different ways. And uh, so Jesus is intentionally choosing the, the most extreme example he can of the person that you don't want to be the hero of the story. Yeah. The, the hatred that this expert in the law had for Samaritans was so deep that when Jesus said, who was the neighbor, he couldn't bring himself to say, well, the Samaritan, he is mm -hmm. the one who showed mercy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just would have been too difficult for him to say the word Samaritan. Right. By the way, I, we had talked or before we started the podcast as a as a room, we were talking about the fact that we actually did a podcast on this parable last summer when we were doing stories Jesus told. And so we would invite anybody who's kind of like just coming into these, this podcast experience and is liking it to go back because all of these pod podcasts are archived. And it might benefit you to get a little bit of a deeper or richer understanding of the parable. If you go back, I don't remember if it was in June, July, or August when we did that, but whatever your platform is for the podcast, you probably can find it. Yeah, give it a I'm listen. Sure it's there, no extra charge. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, before we wander any further uh, from this parable, I want to go back and just hit on something because we talked about religion versus Christianity, and then we end with Jesus saying, "You go and do likewise." Yes, which is there's the command, right? Now this is what you do, and the assumption could be. This is what I do because this is how I please God, and that's how I work my way up to heaven, one command at a time, right? Yeah. And that's that's not where we should go with this. And it's particularly striking if you start to look at this good Samaritan, and and instead of putting ourselves in the place of this Samaritan as the guy who's coming along to help, if we see ourselves in the place of the man who was on the road, mm -hmm. I was on my on my journey through life when robbers came upon me. The devil is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he has left me beaten and bruised on the side of the road with no way to get to my ultimate destination of life with God in heaven. And the religions of the world couldn't save me and passed by on the other side of the road. But there was somebody who came for me. And that somebody is the man who's telling this story. It's Jesus Christ who at his own great cost sacrificed so that we could be taken to the to the destination and could be healed and and by his death and his resurrection that's what he's accomplished and uh, so so when we get when we hear the story that way and then you hear Jesus say you go and do likewise he's not saying here's the command to climb your way to heaven yeah. he's saying I'm doing this for you yeah. and now that you've received that you have a gift to go share with others yeah 
That's awesome. That's a great reminder. And it's also interesting because as it leads us into this last part of chapter 10, we, we kind of see it on the surface, it sounds like Jesus is doing a 180 degree turn because as he's emphasizing a work of obedience and of serving your, mm-hmm. your neighbor, now he's going to hold up somebody who's actually making the decision to not serve yeah. or to serve in a different way which I think is fascinating with Mary and Martha. So as we look at, starting at verse 38, Mary and Martha, of course, we know who they are. They are sisters, and they have the brother Lazarus, who is ultimately raised from the dead by Jesus in John chapter 10. 11. 11, yeah. And so it's it's like this debate. who's Who's serving Jesus in this moment? And the answer is they both are. Mm-hmm. But uh, Mary's service is commended by Jesus. And Martha's, he's, he's kind of mildly rebuking her for what... what the <laughs> for fo- trying to rebuke Mary well, is what, what she the, really what yeah, is. What, yeah, the foundation of her service mm-hmm. is duty, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's toil and a sense of obligation. And there's no joy in her service mm-hmm. because it, if she's serving Jesus, it's not coming out in her attitude and posture. Jesus, make her help me. Mm-hmm. So she's even angry at Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> for not scolding Mary. So how can you be angry at Jesus while you're serving him? <laughs> it's a little. There's a little bit of a problem here with mm-hmm. Martha. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is there's a priority here that... Um, Mary knew enough to take a break and to set it aside. There's always work to do. There'll always be work to do. Mm-hmm. But when you have an opportunity to sit at the feet of Jesus and just drink in his words, then you have to block everything else out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's... In, in Jesus, he doesn't rebuke Martha for for serving. No. it's It's just... She's Mary's chosen what's better. Mm-hmm. She's chosen the good portion, and that won't be taken away from her. And so both are right. Both are good. It's good to sit and to listen to Jesus, and it is good to be active in serving him. And Martha probably has, we would say humanly speaking, she has a right to be upset about this, because it's not like it's just Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, there's at least a dozen others, and maybe more. And so Martha presumably has opened her home to this whole crowd, and if you have 13 men walking into your door, that's a lot of work to do. Yeah. And and there's Mary and she's just sitting there. I can I can understand why Martha would be bent out of shape here. And obviously she's she shouldn't be upset with Jesus, but I can understand where it's coming from. Well, if think back to what when we were when he was sending out the 72 and how that section ended in verses 23 and 24 from the last podcast. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And we had talked about the privilege mm-hmm. that the, these people had to be with Jesus. And I'm I'm wondering if Martha, years later, ever looked back and said, oh, I, yeah. I had the opportunity to yeah. just sit at Jesus' feet. And what was I worried about? Pancakes or whatever it was that she yeah. was making. Yeah. Well, and it's very easy for you men to sit there <laughs> and say, oh, that's not important. You know, but from a, a woman's perspective, it's a it's a big struggle. 
we're we're kind of expected. Don't laugh, Rick. <laughs> we're kind of ex- we're expected to provide a, a pleasant, clean home for anybody that we welcome in. Which Martha welcomed these people and Jesus into her home, and and it says she got distracted, and it's. It's that's what happens in our life. We get distracted by what our natural duties or abilities are. Um, we can let them start to to take over our relationship with mm-hmm. with God, with Jesus, and we forget what is most important. And I think about this this story so much at Christmas time mm. because. That's when that's like the height of entertaining season, you know, mm-hmm. where things that are supposed to look great, everybody's supposed to have a great experience, you're supposed to do a lot of entertaining and celebrating and we always say Jesus is the reason for the season. Yes, he is. And it's so easy <laughs> yeah. for that to just get lost. And when I every year when I look back, what I remember is the people I remember conversations. I remember their presence, not presence, <laughs> but their being there. Yeah, I understood. I understood you know, what you were saying. Things that they said. Um, that's what's important. The relationships are important. Not the focus is not the surroundings, and that mm-hmm. is just, I think, a forever battle yeah. that women in particular tend to have, and it's just always good to be reminded of what really matters. I think you, you said uh, women are expected, and this it's a passive, are expected. But the question is, expected by who? And for Martha and for Mary right now, for all we know, you got Andrew, Thomas, Matthew, Judas. They're all looking at Mary like, get up. I want some good food. You think so? <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. Could have been, I have yeah. no idea. They could have been. Yeah. But we know that Jesus was not the one who expected that. And that's really what matters, right? And so, that, And that's the challenge for all of us in all kinds of different situations is to live to please Jesus instead of to live to please others and meet their expectations or sometimes just the expectations that we place on ourselves, which can very easily become unfair uh, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think, I think that's, what's remarkable about Mary is that she's able to, to put that to rest in her own mind and actually zero in on this incredibly precious opportunity to hear the word of Jesus from the lips of Jesus. Yeah, I don't think Jesus is against the work of preparation mm-hmm. or the work that Martha was doing. Yeah. I I look at I just kind of key in on those words that she was distracted by all of the preparations. And I don't know, the prag, pragmatic side of me wants to ask Martha, can't you multitask? <laughs> can, can you be doing some of this while you're listening to Jesus and that? I, I should, just, I, should I give Kathy a call and ask her to do with that? <laughs> but that's kind of like reading your Bible. Like, do you read your Bible while you're watching TV? Or no, okay. So, you know. but here's where I, I guess I wanted to land with that is in think about all the people at Trinity that that we depend upon to do work for just having ongoing worship services. Mm-hmm. There are people who have to vacuum. They they have to prepare the altar guild has to do a tremendous amount of work and somebody's got to shovel those those banners those banners that decorate our walls they don't make themselves Mm -hmm. right so there's a lot of work to do but i think what what i want to see as a takeaway here is do you find joy in that work Mm -hmm. 
is, is it a joy for you? And is it a, an aspect of worship for you? Are you sitting at Jesus's feet, so to speak, while, mm-hmm. while you're about the business of all of the work that he has for us to do? And it's not just work related to the sanctuary. It's, mm-hmm. it's the work that you do if you're a tax preparer or if you're a garage mechanic. Um, because we can be Marthas in just about anything in life. You can be a Martha in the way you work out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's what your attitude is when you what, that you bring to it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great takeaway. Okay. And if you can focus on, if you can focus on him as like he's the main attraction, that's worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When he knows, when he knows that you know he's the absolute best thing ever. Yeah. That's yeah. worship. And I mm-hmm. think while we don't have the benefit of what Mary and Martha had in having the physical Jesus in the room to listen to, we have his word. And so I see this as a call, a reminder for us to continually remain meditating on God's word, cherishing mm-hmm. it, consuming it, yeah. and you know, letting it feed us regularly. Mm-hmm. And and now I think is a good place to tie back to the heart of a shepherd, especially if you're parenting right now. Because your kids are watching, and they're not just seeing what you do, they're seeing the attitude with which you do it. So is going to church, is it a privilege or is it an obligation? Is serving as part of that fundraiser, is it a privilege or is it an obligation? Is there joy in that? And and the the moral of the story is not, if there's not joy, fake it or quit. (laughs) The moral of the story is, get back to the reason why you're doing it, and remember that Jesus is worth it, that there is one thing needful, and it's him, and he has given you tremendous tremendous gifts the gift of eternal life we're the wounded guy on the side of the road and he was the samaritan who saved us and that's what i want my kids to know about my relationship with god is that i have somebody who is worth serving who is worthy of that love because he loved me first mm-hmm. yeah if we just read the parables and see them as um, well jesus is uh, giving me um, an example of what i need to do without seeing how he actually did that, Mm -hmm. then we're not getting the full flavor of it. Yeah. All right. Another great podcast. This is wonderful. It's because it's the word of God we're talking about. Yeah. That's... (laughs) We we got great writers. We do. We've got great writers. Yeah, I would not have as much fun if this was Moby Dick. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, thanks again, everybody, for being here with us. Um, Tell a friend. We'd like to see the audience ever expanding and uh, so again if you um, if you have any um, comments or questions feel free to share them with us we we love to hear from you Uh, until next time on behalf of pastor carl and angela bid you all a good day and we'll see you back here again in the heart of a shepherd podcast